Display manufacturing is enabling global organizations to rethink their operations to incorporate distributed manufacturing and digital inventories for their spares. This is allowing organizations to have quicker lead times for components, flexible manufacturing processes and reduced carbon emissions. Industries like oil and gas, aerospace and transportation, where turnaround time is critical and legacy equipment is in use, additive manufacturing is definitely providing the companies an opportunity to rethink their manufacturing. Shell is one such organization that is adopting additive manufacturing to reduce the costs, delivery times and the carbon footprint of their spare parts. They have been collaborating with industry leaders for more than a decade to push the innovation of 3D printing for the energy sector. In this special episode of AM Infocast, it is my pleasure to be joined by Angeline Goh, 3D Printing Technology Manager at Shell. In this insightful conversation, she talks about the AM adoption journey at Shell, challenges in adoption of AM in the energy sector, successful use cases, role of AM in sustainability, and the future roadmap of AM at her organization. So let's tune in. Welcome, Angeline, to AM Infocast, and it's great to have you here to talk about Shell's journey in additive manufacturing. Thank you. It's good to be here. So Shell started uh, on the additive manufacturing journey almost a decade ago with in-house 3D printing capability. Uh, how has the AM adoption journey been for Shell from that to now having 15 printers across various technology centers in Europe and in Asia? So I think for, for us, uh, additive manufacturing is one of the technology that supports our digitalization roadmap. And for us in Shell, it's not a standalone technology. Rather, we see this as an integration to the digital workflow that we are trying to implement to make our operations at site more autonomous, safer, and to improve the efficiency and the sustainability of the total cost of ownership. So the way we use it um, today, it's really um, in three areas. We use 3D printing for spare part management, for visualization, as well as for novel design. That's a good foundation to understanding what Shell is looking at for at the manufacturing. But uh, what are the major hurdles or challenges in driving adoption of additive manufacturing in the oil and gas or the energy sector? And how has Shell overcome these? I think for us, um, as the technology is maturing uh, at the moment still, and with more innovation coming into this space, the main barrier has been the trust for this technology to scale it up uh, within the organization. And to overcome this, we really need industry standard technical assurances as well as um, IP issues to be clarified and, and aligned for the industry. I think as an industry in this energy sector, we also have to co cooperate more. And Shell is already part of uh, the JIP, uh, the joint industry platform with uh, DMV GL and issued a technical guideline back in 2020. And we're looking also actively to participate in other energy platform where we can start to drive a wider adoption and to provide confidence to this technology for scaling up. I think for us, if you mention things around uh, the challenges of, of bringing uh, an AM part from design all the way to production and finally uh, actually being able to install it in, in an operation site. The complexity varies also with the type of spare parts that we are uh, using with the 3D printing technology. We have a preference to, to source this part uh, closer to the end user, which means that the, the printing uh, facility ideally is also closer to where the end user are located to really um, achieve the truly time reduction that we anticipate this technology to, to be the game changer for us. 
Um, we see also a big difference in the complexity and the challenges related to uh, 3D printing, say for a non-critical polymer part versus a critical uh, production critical parts uh, that we would use for our operation. The amount of testing, the amount of uh, technical assurance that goes into these parts varies significantly. And it is important that we also apply the same rigor that we have in the build process qualification and testing to ensure that the part is of the right quality that we can apply safely in our operation. This needs to be done, I think, for every uh, part that we use in our operation. I think standard bodies and organizations that are responsible for the international standards and legislation are still playing catching up today. And it is necessary that they play the role of providing the necessary uh, guidance and approval for the use of 3D printing printed parts in the energy sector. This is an area where I think as an industry, we do not yet um, come together in, in, a, in a, a standard standardized way um, actively. And I would really like to see a lot more uh, being done in this area. We shall, of course, contributing to this to, to make it happen. I think the industry of aviations as well as medical uh, sector has set, set the precedence of how to do it and achieve that type of uh, qualification for vendors to print for their sector. And this is where I think it would really be an a strong enabler to take 3D printing and scale it up much faster than we do today for the energy sector. That's great. And, uh, you know, is it possible, can you throw some light on the AM strategy at Shell and highlight any successful use case scenarios which finished this strategy for you in the past uh, you know, few years? Yes. So I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, in Shell, the 3D printing technology is used in three areas, spare parts printing, novel equipment design, and also for visualization where we do prototypes uh, for training and visualization purposes. Although we have that in-house capability and to bridge, to bridge uh, any emergency requirement, I think for us, we took an early decision that we want to focus a lot of our attention to working with uh, original equipment manufacturers. I think this is important because of the, uh, the ability to, to overcome the IP issues but also to build a trust, a long-term relationship to develop better design for the parts that we would be able to put into operations. So that is one of the key area. And um, we do believe also that any 3D printing parts or projects that we implement, it's always a multidisciplinary, multi-functional um, requirement and that subject matter expertise spread across across different different teams and collaboration is, is an important aspect to bring all that together. Now, we also realize that this is a disruptive technology in the way that we work and in the supply chain that we use today. So a lot more conversation and effort is needed to bring the different teams together to start to think holistically uh, as an industry, what would be the new model going forward and uh, what would be the alignment we can achieve in new supply chain models and um, commercial models that will allow us to be able to take this uh, technology to the next level. An example that I would like to uh, share with the team is a case that we work for, work on in Shell, Nigeria. 
Um, I mentioned this already in the article, but this is really a classic example of how one could extend the equipment life by replacing just what is absolutely necessary. And by doing so, we reduce the production downtime and the risk in performing the maintenance work. What happened was uh, in one of the offshore Nigeria operations, a small component uh, was, was damaged in the, in the um, FPSO. This is a polymer seal cover on the, the mooring buoy on the offshore structure. Now to do a repair work, we were told that since the part was obsolete, that we need to change out the entire sealing system, which will mean shutting down of the complex, but also uh, introducing uh, high risks, heavy lifting in the offshore location. Now, this part also would have taken 16 weeks to produce by traditional manufacturing. We knew that the tropical rain season was coming and we need to do this repair quite quickly. Um, due to the, I think the innovative thinking of the Nigerian team, they were able to contact us and uh, articulate the, the challenge they have at hand and looked into uh, a new way of actually creating just the part that they need. We used a local supplier to scan the part that was damaged. We sent the file to Europe and actually from scanning to production of the part took only two weeks to complete and the part was out ready to be shipped to them. The total cost of this operation was a 90% reduction compared to the original conventional repair method that was being mentioned. I think this is really for us very good use case to show how with 3D printing, we can do things differently, safer, and actually in a more cost-effective manner. I think it's also worthwhile to, to share the story of a emergency repair that we collaborated with uh, Elliot Ibarra in uh, a cryogenic uh, impeller. Now, this was a case whereby traditionally uh, the parts would have taken nine to 12 months uh, to fabricate. With 3D printing, we were able to accelerate and to reduce the production lead time, production and delivery lead time to the site much significantly. And for us, this represents also the agility that the technology brings to the table to support our operation. Collaboration is definitely the key. And, you know, AM uh, really is allowing organizations to move towards a distributed manufacturing approach. You know, and with the responsibility of, of all industries and organizations to move towards uh, lower carbon emissions and sustainable practices. How important is additive manufacturing? In this it definitely plays a, an important role. And I think with the the challenges that we, we see um, in supply chain disruption, also with the pandemic, it starts to take a center stage in being a, a new way of solution to provide parts for our operations. For us in Shell, it's important that the strategy is not to manufacture the parts, to manufacture the parts uh, by ourselves. I think it's important that we develop a digital warehouse that stocks the information needed to print the part when it is required. So shifting from buying just in case to buying when the demand is real. And this is a shift from the traditional way of working. We also believe that um, in the partnership that we have with our uh, OEMs, the original equipment manufacturers, with other um, uh, local partners as well, we would find the type of local ecosystem to supply the required spare parts to the, the end users closer to them and avoiding 
long transportation times. Now, this is a way in which we think um, we present a truly time reduction. We also have a way to um, now more responsibly use the resources and actually progress for local communities, new opportunities to participate in the ecosystem of providing um, materials locally. I think this technology in itself, in one way of reducing transportation of spare parts across continent, which presents uh, emission issues, we also have the ability to to improve the performances of the part through a new design, through a performance improvement that we can make creating parts that cannot be produced via traditional methods. And this is what we really need to leverage the technology for, looking at ways to design it better uh, so that the performance in itself increases efficiency for operations as well. That's great to know about you know how sustainability or carbon emissions is, is looking at you know, overall picture, but additive manufacturing still need, you know, supplies like raw materials or other aspects to be shipped to the location where it's being printed uh, and also the component to be shipped out to wherever it's needed. So uh, how does the carbon emission angle or the sustainability practices look like in that? I think the game changer here is that instead of shipping multiple distinct spare parts to the various locations of the warehouse, we shipped um, perhaps only a fraction of the powder required and we only produce when we know the specific needs of the site. So in other words, the proportion of raw material that we ship to the site may be much more lower in volume. The other aspect is that uh, we only produce it when we know what is needed, whilst the traditional way would be we have invested in, in the production of the parts which we may use immediately or we may end up um, keeping for a much longer time in the warehouse. I think the other aspect of it is also the part that I think as a community, the 3D printing uh, community has been working actively to look at recycling of powder, looking at using uh, feedstock and converting them into powder or raw material for the 3D printing technology. This is particularly in the case of polymer where you see a lot of effort looking at repurposing polymer, including uh, thermostat material of end-of-life windmills, which traditionally today would go into a landfill, but we try to use this. We look at also electrical waste to be repurposed for 3D printing, and the list actually goes on even to metal uh, powder. And we see, in some cases, uh, an interest and, and agility to use um, even bio-organic waste um, that can be 3D printed into uh, cups and other purposes. So these in in totality, I think really is working towards um, improving sustainability. You know, how does the roadmap for additive manufacturing at Shell and the energy industry in general look like? Of course, you mentioned that AM has become prominent in the current supply chain disruption caused by pandemic. But overall, how does the roadmap look like for AM in, with Shell and the energy industry? So Shell took an early decision already almost 10 years ago that we should have in-house uh, 3D printing uh, capability and capacity. And this turned out to be an advantage for us because we learn by doing. 
and we also have metal printers, which I think it's, it's a luxury for us really to, to have the experience firsthand and learning how to therefore improve uh, technologically um, advanced technical assurance required for producing the part for our own industry. Now, this in-house capability became an advantage for us as well to contribute to the local community. Um, for example, when uh, COVID uh, striked, we were able to use our facility to, you know, very agilely produce some of the medical devices needed to support the frontline workers when the shortage was there. For us, we need to think quite uh, aggressively about the digital warehousing solution that is combined with having also a distributed manufacturing capability in each and every of the focus site and country where our operations are. And this will allow for us to be able to shift the mindset and have the level of confidence of a truly time reduction that we are able to only trigger a manufacturing of parts that we need when we truly need it. We also need to start therefore to think along the line of what are the upfront preparation and investment and resources that we need to make that type of preparation that takes, I think, courage and also a resource in time to put this upfront preparation work together. And we've moved away, I think, um, two years ago from setting a hard target on the number of parts that we want to put into a digital inventory, in part because we really need to look critically at what is useful, what is what is the type of parts that drive value for our sites and that actually solves problem for them. So right now the focus has been to look at and understand in each of the sites the type of challenges, local challenges they have and try to solve the problem with them growing as we do now exponentially the parts that that we could digitalize and and actually put in a digital warehouse i think we also need to need to start to shift a lot of the discussion up front to the initial project phase whereby we are used to traditionally to design or to build installation and have spare parts ready just in case we need to start to think from day one what would be a digital format of the site installation, including the spare parts that we need. So the, the shift is really towards the front planning area and taking early decisions to start day one with a digital inventory. That sounds great. And uh, Angeline, thank you for joining us today for Raymond Forecast and sharing the activities around additive manufacturing at Shell and talking about your roadmap as well. And uh, you know, it's, it's great to connect with you. Thank you for joining in for this episode of AM Infocast powered by AM Chronicle. Stay tuned for the next episode.